warning. The Catholic Man Show contains high levels of manliness. If you think you may be too weak to withstand the manliness represented in the following program, please do yourself a favor and stop listening now. If you choose to continue in spite of this warning, if at any time you feel yourself overcome by the manliness, stop immediately and consult your closest medical professional. And now, for the not-so-fair, faint, or frilly, we present The Catholic Man Show. Welcome to the Catholic Man Show. We are on the Lord's team, the winning side. So raise your glass. Adam and Ann here sitting with David Niles and 40 of our closest friends out here at Clear Creek Monastery in Holbert, Oklahoma. Underneath a beautiful sky and a and it is dry. It is dry, ish. finally. Ish. Yeah, ish. Well, it's not currently raining. So, so yeah. So it's dry. It's dry. Right. It's drying. Um, we've been out here. We got here on Thursday. It was raining when we got here. By Thursday evening, it had continued to still rain. Throughout Thursday night. Yeah, throughout Thursday night. However, Friday. Uh, God be praised, Saturday morning, it also rained all day. Yes. Uh Oh, that's not true. It didn't rain all day on Saturday. Friday, it rained all day on. It rained all day on Friday. Today, finally, around lunch, the rain broke, subsided. Yes, thank goodness. Yes, God uh, be praised for that. Yeah, uh, I was the um, center of much ridicule as I, as you should proceeded be. with towel after towel out of my tent. Yes, wringing it out. But we've had a we've had a great time. I, what I needed was a bucket. I should have taken a bucket into my tent. It, it I would more, have got the water out quicker that way. Yeah. Yeah. But we've had a great time. We've we've been out here at Clear Creek. We've had the opportunity to go to Holy Mass with the monks, Liturgy of the Hours. Some have had a chance to eat with the monks. Uh, we've had a a forging 101 today, which was awesome. Yeah. Had a little horseshoe tournaments, which. Um, Did you win? I saw you playing. I, I went ahead and won. I decided to do that. You did. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, we had a whiskey tasting this evening. We grilled some steaks. Grilled some steaks. That was a phenomenal success. Yes. Oh, yeah, we had a cigar rolling from Ultimo Cigars. Go check them out. Also phenomenal success. Yes. My cigar does not look pretty, but I think it will be fine. Yes, because he gave you all the essentials to make it be fine before you touched right, it. Right, exactly. That's all I, ha about all the only I had to do was make it look pretty, and right. I didn't, and do, didn't that. do that. Part. I gave it, but. The thing is, it's hard, okay? Yeah, it's not as easy as it looks. <laughs> right. However, the cigars are super awesome because they have a, a Catholic Man Show band on it. It says 2019 Ca Catholic Man Show Camp yeah. Out. Super cool. Yeah. So we were just talking to uh, Mr. George Carpenter. He was the guy, well, he and his, I will call him an understudy. Um, or apprentice. Apprentice uh, was here with their forge. So we have a lot of exciting things for the camp out next year. Uh, one of the things George said to me earlier, or it was actually several days ago, he's like, yeah, all right, so we'll do that. But next year, uh, I want to bring a two-man saw because I don't think I don't think most guys have ever cut a tree down with a two-man saw. And I was like, 
Yeah, you have one? He's like, oh, yeah, I've got, I've got a lot of them, and they're sharp. <laughs> yeah, I want to cut a tree down. Like, that sounds sweet. So, we could have used that this weekend with all the firewood we yeah, went through. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, anyway, we've got big, even bigger and better things uh, the guys planned who, for next year. The guys who were here got a chance to buy the first Catholic Mancho wine. Jason Zimdars is here, who uh, d designed the bottle for us. Yeah. So and we only him. lost a little bit of money on each bottle. Yeah, so that was, yeah, we actually uh, did lose about $2 a bottle. Yeah. But Jason Zimdars was joking that, like, well, he's making more on this wine than we are. He's making nothing, and we're losing $2. <laughs> <laughs> no. We're not, we're not in this for the business side. <laughs> we're really hoping it has a good retirement plan, though. So. Um, yeah, so let's let, let's let's jump into our drink. Okay, so we've we've reviewed this one on the show before, but it is one of my favorites, and it's um, worth revisiting. It is well worth revisiting. Uh, so we're having Ardbeg Kurivreken, or Kurivreken. I like if Vrecken. you want to be like regular about it. Right. Um, yeah, Kurivreken. <laughs> I heard somebody say that. Uh, but what I love about it is that it kind of tastes like Tabasco sauce. At the end. At the end. And it's like, how do they do that? Yeah. I don't understand, but it's delicious. So uh, let's try some. We're on the, the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your so glass. So raise your glass. Yeah, that's that's it. That's the crazy. When people ask me, uh, what what's the most, what's your favorite whiskey? Yeah. Which is a much different question than what's the most unique whiskey that you've tasted. Right. Yeah. Because what your favorite whiskey is is, is also it, like... You have to. What, which one do you do you like to buy the most? Is really, I think, the answer that they're looking for because your favorite whiskey is probably out of your price range, right? You know. But this one, I I typically go to for the most unique, because of uh -huh. that that pepper sauce taste at the very end. It yeah. has this uh, very smoky uh, front, like a, a, a typical Ardbeg does, but the end, it has that peppery taste. Yeah. In, which is yeah. That's nice. why I like it. Cause it has all of the things that I want and like from an Ardbeg from the Ardbeg 10, except it has that extra pepper finish. And so you don't get, you don't give anything up by by buying it. You know, if you're already an Ardbeg 10 drinker, yeah. you're not going to give anything up except, money. except more money. Right. Yeah. It, it just, Costs more money, so that's why I usually don't get it. Cause what's it? Is it like a hundred, a hundred bucks, eighty bucks? Uh, it's, yeah, eighty, eighty-five. Yeah, seventy, seventy-five to eighty-five around there. Okay, so it's just hard to do when you can buy the the Ardbeg ten for half that, half yeah. that price. You know. Right. What was your favorite part of the weekend? Hmm. Well, I just got to pound some hot, hot metal over at the forge, and that mm -hmm. was pretty awesome. Aside from being here with the monks and reading their liturgies, and mm -hmm. that's that's my favorite part is being here at the monastery. You know, that's right. why we come here. It's not just a, a great field to camp in. Right. It's because we're here at, at, with the monks at the monastery, getting to take part in their liturgies. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if I could give something up, I would give up the forge before I gave up the monks. Yeah. Right. But getting to pound a rod into the shape of a knife was pretty sweet. Yeah. And you did you actually did a pretty good job. Thanks. I thought I did okay. I mean, I had a lot of coaching. A lot of coaching and guidance, yeah, yeah, which was essential. One of the things that was really cool about 
one of the aftermaths of it raining so much was just to the side of us uh, on the campsite is this huge bluff. And there's obviously the, the creek is running, which turned into almost like a river. Yeah, it's a river. But the bluff had three waterfalls going down it uh, today because of all the rain. Yeah, isn't is that incredible? super beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I had a chance to go out there and just like, you just sit there and just are amazed at just how gorgeous the landscape is with the, the waterfalls coming down and the, the, the water running down. It was just really cool. We should, you should go shower out there. I should just shower. Period. <laughs> that would be that'd probably be a good idea. Uh, but another thing I really enjoyed is is you know there's nothing that can replace just guys sitting around the campfire. Last yeah. night was really cool because I was I was just kind of uh, going around listening to people talk, just kind of stepping in. What? What are you saying? And then I step back and get out of the way. But it was just really cool to to listen to all the different conversations and uh, you know, there's something about guys getting together around a fire that that cultivates this meaningful conversation um, that doesn't typically happen. Mm -hmm. um, and it's very hard to replicate without the atmosphere of the fire, the camp out, guys, um, guys hanging out together. It's very yeah. hard to do it. Yeah. No, I also love that. Just the, the good conversation about important, real things. You had a pretty good conversation last night about uh, spiritual warfare, it sounded like. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Um, about... The nature of authority um, in the realm of spiritual warfare, which is something that uh, I think is misunderstood or really just unknown to most people. Mm -hmm. um, also, you got a really good idea today for a new topic. Okay. Um, from Joe uh, about um, the role of a godfather. Ooh, that is a good one. Yeah, we should totally do an episode on that. Yeah, especially because. You know, it's easy to say yes and then for completely forget about it. Yeah, and especially like here in America, because in other cultures, the Godfather takes a a much more. It's super awesome if you ask Juan to be a Godfather of your kid. You know what happens? Yeah, he'll tackle you. Yeah, he tackles you, and then he gives you a bottle of whiskey. Yeah, a big, a just, big, not just a bottle of whiskey, a, a big, big bottle, bottle of whiskey. It's like, so, right, Juan, you're going to be the Godfather of the rest of my children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, yeah, that, so that, that was just really cool. It was just a really cool uh, time to sit there and listen to all the all the different conversations that were happening. Yeah. Also, Steve Marshall is here, and he was saying that he's Steve. Are you doing Exodus ninety right now? Yeah. You're doing it right now. Okay. And it one of the Steve Exodus and Mikey both. Yeah. Yeah. They both are. But it said to this weekend to go camping with your brothers, and the worse the weather, the better. That's what it said in like the no ex kidding? in the Exodus ninety thing. So like I think we can all blame Steve. Steve. Yeah. <laughs> but really, we have to give it up to and Mikey. We we really have to give it up to the people who really started this whole thing. You know who it is. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're gonna say because <laughs> I heard them say it already. Yeah. So our dads are both here, and they <laughs> they. Reminded us that you know none of this would be happening if it wasn't for them. Yeah, they were like this. We basically we're responsible for this whole thing taking place. So. And then I said, well, uh, not everybody's having fun right now, Dad. So <laughs> I don't know if that's something you want to take into uh, take credit for. But when we get back, we're gonna jump into the gear. We're here out out at Clear Creek Monastery. We are on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass.
Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles, here with Adam Minahan and all of the men of the Catholic Man Show Campout 2019. Thanks for being here, everybody. Our man gear for today. Hey, can, wait, hold on. Oh. Can I pump? Can I? Can I pump the yes, brakes? Yes. Yeah. Pump the brakes. That's fine. Because I think we do also need to thank a couple other people about with the campout. Oh, you're right. Uh, yeah. Because let me tell you, Vinny. Daniel and Tyler worked their tails off this weekend cooking yes, for us. Yes, thank you. They did a phenomenal if job. If you gentlemen would please stand so that yeah. we can we can recognize and you. And everybody who's listening can see you. Thank That's you. That's how it works on radio. Thank you, guys. Uh, but also, Tyler brought the most delicious cookies, chocolate chip cookies, he, I've ever had in my life. And you know what? He told us ahead of time that he was... He's Which was going to bring the best chocolate chip cookie, and I was like, "That is a risky strategy because because I've had really good. You know, it's like, hey, you should go see this movie. It's the best movie ever, and then right. your expectations are so high that you're let down. But he said no, and you know what? He stuck he, by. <laughs> he, de- he delivered. That yes. was the best chocolate chip cookie ever. Yes. So thank you, gentlemen, so much. I appreciate it. Okay, I'm, now we can get okay. into your your miserable fail this weekend. Actually, before we do that, I, oh. we just said. We were going to make fun of Robert Martin, so I oh. feel like <laughs> I feel like we should do it. We I all, said I wasn't going to. Oh, I said, oh, I said that we 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 could still do it. Okay. We all showed up with tents. Except for Robert, who brought his house <laughs> on wheels. He put it on wheels and drove it out here. And we're all super jealous. And we've had other people ask us, hey, are we allowed to bring our pop-up tent or our pop-up camper? And we always say yes, but we reserve the right to make fun of you. And so. But you know what? The joke was on us because he walked out every morning right. completely <laughs> dry. Oh, what? Did it rain last night? Yeah. No kidding. I was fine. So uh, let's anyway, talk about your fail. I'm, anyway, I'm really excited okay. about talking so about. I have been, uh, I have a, a saga when it comes to the rain at this camp out. Two years ago. I had what is essentially an ordinary four-man tent, right? Which can we talk about? If you if it says four-man tent, it really is a two-man tent. Well, a four-man tent means you can put four sleeping bags. You can unroll four sleeping bags in it. That's what I think it means. Or it's like... I don't know how four men can actually fit in a four-man it's like, tent. It's like assumes that you have no stuff. Right. Like you just... Like you're homeless and poor, and you just have a sleeping bag, and there's four of you, and you have a tent. And you can all four fit in there. Like I'm, I'm letting you go. I'm you really cozily. Okay, cozily even. Cozily. Okay, but anyway, let's talk about your tent. So, but two years ago, it did. It was the weather was what I believe to be beyond what anyone would expect a tent. Like beyond what you would expect your tent to perform under. Yeah, because we were under tornado watch. And I mean, well, it was also like a monsoon. Right. You know, with we had horizontal sideways rain. rain. Yeah. Which was crazy. And my my tent turned into a kiddie pool. Yeah. I mean, literally, I was splashing in it the next morning and looking at my bag and my clothes and st- laying them out all over so that they would dry. But So I said, I'm not doing that again. And last year, I bought a new tent, and I've been so happy with it until this weekend. Dude, it was so funny because you felt so, like it, it's a funky-looking tent, and everybody was like, 
Dave, where's your rain fly? And you were just so like it's boastfully built in. I have a built-in rain fly, and it's like, look at me. Okay, well, it doesn't look like there's a rain fly there. You're right. There isn't a rain fly there. It's supposed to be built in. How well did it work? Well, this week, this this camp out didn't work at all. Uh, I have. I will tell you. I have been in absolute downpours where it rained all night, mm-hmm. and there was zero water in the tent. Like this year, I've done I've done that. Um, but for I don't know if like there's special rain out here at the monastery. Uh, I think that's it. It could be special rain. Yeah. Um, it just it all. My tent was had a different policy uh, with with regard to rain. It was very welcoming. Um, oh, to the rain. Yeah, yeah. to the rain. Like on the inside. Yeah. Like just come on in. Yeah. It's fine. Oh yeah, you can come in there and or over there. Any pick a window to leak into. That's fine. Um, or any seam. Yeah, you're you're you quickly regretted how boastful you were about your rain flying. I will. I was glad though that I had um, a cot. I was able to elevate yes. my stuff. Uh, another thing that really saved us this weekend is we had a, a bunch of these like canopy tents. We have one that we had last year, maybe even two years ago. I can't remember if it was, was it two years ago that I bought it. Anyway, uh, that's basically a carport. This is the second year you had it. We bought it last year. Okay, it's a carport, but it works really well for a a, a, a tent camping. It just window. makes for like a really like ba tent. Yeah, that that holds like a bunch of people in it. So we were able to play chess and we played the Catholic card game in there. So when it was raining, we all had to huddle up against either a, a, a canopy tent that had a fire underneath it or that tent. Right. And it worked out really well. So anyway, if you have a tent and you don't have a rain fly, you're a fool. Yes. Like me. Or if you... <laughs> yeah, you ended up putting a tarp over it. Uh, yes, I do have a tarp over it. And it still didn't it's work. It's still... The water still came in because it's... A rain fly does not cover the windows of a, of a tent usually. Um, and the problem with this weekend is that it rained for so long. Mm-hmm. I think that just the fabric, because you know, like this tent material, it's like plasticky and kind of repels water. Mm-hmm. But eventually, it gets soaked through and it stops repelling water. It's like the water is on the other side, and so it's like calling. It's like, hey, no, we're already in. Come on in. Yeah. I'll help you. Or I'll pull you through. When we were on Thursday, whenever we were all setting up the tents, Kent Keithley and I were were kind of going around helping people set up because it was raining, and so you wanted to get your tent up as quickly as possible. Right. So we had the opportunity of seeing how a lot of different tents were constructed and were able to – one of the tents, I think it's Biff has one, and then somebody else has one. I can't remember. But the Rainfly actually completely – uh, covers the whole tent. Yeah. Uh, there's not like it's like a complete sleeve that goes over. Scott had one like that. Scott, yeah, Scott, Scott was the other guy. Uh, and his, he just kind of like. No, t- Scott's Scott's was the pop up. Scott's the pop up. It like up popped tent. up. He just like tossed it and it yeah, was and it, open. And it popped up. But Biff has one that's like com- that completely. It's the tent, and then there's a, a, the the rain rain guard goes all the way around it, all the way. Yeah. You can't have. That's the way to go. Unless it's the summertime, because and it's, it's hot. It's it'll you'll be like you have to be able to adjust, mm-hmm. you know. 
really what I'm what I'm learning is that you need a summer tent and you need a a winter tent. Um, if you're going to be camping so, in Oklahoma, in summertime you can just use a backpacking tent. And Biff's from Houston, so I mean it's like. No, he's not. Oh, oh, Dallas. 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 The Dallas area. Uh, uh, well, okay, fine. It's still super. Hot. I mean, it's like hot and humid, so. Yeah. Not as not as humid as as Houston, but right. it's humid here, and when you go camping in the summer, that's the big thing to deal with. Mm-hmm. Is just the heat and the humidity, and if you, like, you can't go in your tent because it's like a sauna. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need a a summer tent and a winter tent if you're serious about camping. Mm-hmm. And so it's nice to have a rain fly that you can adjust all the way down or what. Another thing I learned this weekend was how to position a canopy tent over the fire because it billows and then the smoke, you can't actually stand yeah. underneath it. So what we did was we, we took the canopy tent and put it like halfway over the fire so hopefully the smoke would come out. Well, the downfall of that, after you do that, if you go to sleep and it stays that way and it's been raining... All the, all it's doing is the rain is just running straight down into the fire, completely yeah. puts out the fire, and the next morning you cannot yeah. start one. That was a hard lesson we but learned. But we have a grill gun. Oh, yes, which is a flamethrower. Right. It's a propane flamethrower. Which helped. Which, which allows one to we start a fire. We used it even when we really didn't need it. Right. Yeah, it's not about, it's not about necessity as much as it is just fun. Right, which was pretty cool. And satisfying your inner desires. Mm-hmm. That you may or may not knew existed. Yeah. Drew doesn't like it, but... Drew doesn't like the grill gun? No, he didn't. He, he's not a big fan. Drew Dvorak? Yeah. Your brother-in-law. What? Yeah. I don't know. We're going to have to talk about that, Drew. Where is he? Anyway. Yeah. That's, that's, that's ludicrous, okay? The grill gun is nothing, nothing but awesome and joy I to agree. use. So, um... Where's your tent? Oh, you have, right yours is yours. right there. It's the dry you, one. You have a rainfly. Yeah. So a rainfly is essentially just like another tent. It's just like, it's just a tent on top of your tent. I and think th- everybody knows what a rainfly is. Yeah. But like, it's not anything special. There's not. It's not made out of like a special. You know what you should do though is Scotch guard it. Yes. That's something that, that would be makes a big, very beneficial. A big difference. Yeah. Yeah. But we also had uh, we also had Broken Arrow Brewing. And supply us with with yeah. three delicious beers for the weekend. We had a saison, a lager, and a and a quad. A, a pale. We had a pale oh, ale. Oh, pale ale. I'm sorry, quad. not a lager. Yeah, uh, saison, a uh, pale ale, and a and a quad. All delicious. Broken Arrow Brewing is is always top notch. Yeah. In fact, it was the the Clear Creek. Clear Creek saison, Father yeah. Dominic quad, and uh, day drinker. All three of those were spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. That's why they're all floated. Right. That's why they're all gone. <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty good. Anything else about a rainfly? No, I, I I think I've exhausted the topic. If you don't have a rainfly, you can do what I did, and you can just put a tarp over your tent. And then p- shovel out water from your tent the next morning. <laughs> Which is really funny to watch you do. It's you, a, it's a triage like, situation like taking, in my you're tent. You're taking these huge blankets and just squeezing water right, coming it out. Gallons. Yeah, it was awesome. So when we get back, we're going to talk about the rule of St. Benedict here at Clear Creek Monastery, which is a Benedictine monastery. We'll be right back. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your... We'll work on it. We'll work on it.
Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show here at Clear Creek Monastery. Abby. Or Abby. I'm sorry, yes. I say monastery a lot because the sign on the top uh, coming it does. in say, it says, says monastery. It says Clear Creek Monastery. But that's back when they were a monastery and they haven't changed their sign. Okay. Uh, but we're going to talk about the rule of St. Benedict today. We thought it would be a good topic. Uh, are you okay? I think we're okay. Okay. I just clicked a button and... We thought it would be a good topic being that we were uh, at a Benedictine Abbey uh, to talk about. We were hoping to have Father Nesbitt on again. Uh, didn't get a chance to have that. So, But we can go through it. Uh, the, rule, the rule of St. Benedict is very, very interesting. It's very easy read. I had a chance to read it on the plane. I had, I had a plane ride and was able to read it, read the whole thing in that one, one plane ride. So Because it's pretty short. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's more like a pamphlet or a like a booklet, a booklet. than it is a book. Um, but I, I think maybe we should start off with a little bit about Saint Benedict, um, okay? And just who who Thank he you, is. Uh, light. Let yes. there be light. Where you go, Richard? Um, so Saint Benedict went to Rome um, to study, and what he found there was sin. And debauchery. And he didn't want to be in the city anymore. So he left. And just started, like, was living, like, not necessarily as a hermit, but kind of hermity. Um, and then we had the fall of Rome. Civilization was collapsing. And so people were leaving the town, leaving the city, and going out to him to just to hang out like hey let's hang out together for the rest of our lives and cuz you you seem to have a good life going here so make a long story short uh saint benedict is the father of monastic life in the west um there's saint anthony who is the father of monastic life in the east okay and the um the west and the east have different spiritualities different traditions um but pope Pope Benedict, St. Benedict is the founder of the idea of the monastery here in the West, okay? And so, basically what ended up happening to him is he would, like, someone would come to him and say, hey, I want to I wanna live the way you live, okay? And so he would show them, you know, his the rules he had developed for his own life. And more people would come and more people would come. And so they would kind of form a community. Well, he wasn't necessarily trying to form communities. He was just trying to get away out of the city and live a life of oh, I don't know if I don't know if he was trying to live a life of solitude, but you know, one dedicated to prayer and work and and to God. And so then he would leave and say, so like, "All right, you guys are good now. I'm going to go away." And then more people would find him, and so he'd end up starting another community and another community. And he ended up founding all of these monasteries all over the place. Um, and so then he formally wrote rules for how these monasteries should be governed, um, what is the purpose of their life, uh, you know, how and how that life should be organized and structured. 
mm-hmm. um, down to very even very specific things. Um, and so the, now we have the rule of St. Benedict, um, and it is in practice. And I believe for Benedictines, they read it every year. Um, I would imagine so. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, it, it's very, very, very important for them. And his ultimate, his, his ultimate rule is pray and work. Ora et labora. Um, that is the, the motto of the Benedictines. And so everything that they do is in order to, that would be the end of, a Bene, of the Benedictine life. Mm-hmm. That's the purpose of life as a Benedictine, to pray and work, and in that order. You don't work and then pray. You, you know, if, there's, if it's a toss-up, prayer comes before work. Um, not because work isn't important, but because prayer is more important. Mm-hmm. Um, and so here at, at, here at Clear Creek, there are two types of monks. There are the choir monks, who are priests, and then there are the lay brothers, who are just that, lay brothers. But they're, they're monks, they're all monks, and you can call them all brother so-and-so. Um, you could also call the choir monks father so-and-so since they are priests. Um, but the choir monks are more dedicated. To, they, they have different roles. Um, the choir monks dedicate themselves to prayer in a, in a more literal way. Um, so their, their primary job is to pray all of the hours, uh, the liturgy of the hours. Um, and so we've been able to do that here with them this weekend and join them in, in those, those liturgies, which are just incredibly, incredibly beautiful here. They pray them all. They chant them all in Latin. And I don't know if they like make you sing before they let you join. You're like, we want to hear if you're a terrible singer or not, because you might ruin the whole vibe. Yeah, I know. I don't think they do, but they definitely will train, give you, give you training. Um, and so that's what the choir monks do. And the lay brothers will also join in on some of those uh, liturgy of the hours. But um, really, their job is more to work so that the choir monks ha- are have, able have to dedicate to themselves to prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, so as as I was reading, this I think that it's really interesting that the rule of, of Saint Benedict, as you're as you're reading through it, which, like we said, was is a pretty easy read. A lot of the stuff that he he says can be applied to the domestic church. Yes, that's exactly what I wanted to talk about today. Um, especially, he starts off um, with how to select qualities of the abbot. So the abbot is the, he's like the bishop of the monastery. He's, he's the head honcho. Yeah, he's, he's in charge. He is um, not only in charge um, from like a spiritual standpoint, he's also in charge from like a governance standpoint. So uh, he he it, he decides and gives permission or denies permission for everything that takes place mm-hmm. inside the monastery and with the monks. If so he assigns all of their jobs and duties, uh who's assigned to what tasks. Um and it's his job to to get them to heaven. And so that's why his name is Abbot. Uh they like here the fa- his name is, they call him Father Abbot. Right. Um, and Abbot means father. It just comes from the word meaning, from like Abba, meaning father. It's where they get the word Abbot. Um, and so it's very, very important for the well-being of the entire abbey that 
the abbot is chosen wisely and that he is a good holy man because if he's not he can lead he can lead the whole abbey in a bad direction and um, it's his job to care for the souls of all of all of the monks you know he mm-hmm. he is essentially their spiritual director um, and so he would be guiding them spiritually and if if he's not capable of doing that then all of the monks spiritually could be put at risk which is interesting because it's you know it says even in there that uh, be, you have to be aware that more will be expected of a man to whom more has been entrusted right so uh, you know that's a that's a big responsibility that you have to be aware of is that if you take a lot of times I think especially in this this society of wanting to be promoted like in a job I'm always wanting to be promoted I always want to have more res- you know more of the title more of yeah. uh, you know the opportunity to, to have a little bit more power. And a lot of times you don't realize that with that power be- it comes more responsibility. Yeah. Especially when you co- when it comes to uh, obviously a, a religious order or the domestic church as far as being a father and husband. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's exactly as you said. Um, he says the abbot must always remember that he uh, what he is and remember what to what he is called, aware that more will be expected of a man to whom more has been given. He must know what a difficult and demanding burden he has undertaken, directing the souls and serving a variety of temperaments, coaxing, reproving, encouraging them as appropriate. Um, and one of the things I like about this is that St. Benedict gives very direct uh, advice and guidance on how to um, even discipline. You know, so He'll say, yeah. like, well, if it's, a, if it's an obedient monk... He should receive a verbal discipline twice before he receives a corporal discipline. But he does he does go in here about saying when a monk should be flogged. You know, like it's kind of hard to for us to think about flog. You know, like oh, a, as if that would be a loving thing to do. But according to Saint Benedict, it is because it's better to be flogged here on earth. And if I mean, if that's what it takes for you to get back on the right path so that your soul is going now to heaven that's obviously more important than hmm. not being flogged you know but that just i think it just offends our modern sensibilities the idea of scourging a man but um it is in the rule so don't i'll just tell you guys don't break a rule don't disobey three times okay it's bad the third time um but he also says the, that the abbot must know that anyone undertaking the charge of souls must be ready to account for them. And so, uh, like, this burden, the burden of being the abbot is severe. Um, because, essentially, you are now holding the, not, I mean, not quite, but it's, it's like you're holding the destiny of mm-hmm. all of these monks. The, you know, their eternal destiny is up to you. Um, and it's, I think this is important for us because it comes back to us as fathers. And we can talk about that more on the other side of the break. But, um, you know, th- that's why I think this is important and it is worth reading because we have, I mean, that's, the relationship is the same with us, with our wives and our children. All right. So when we get back, we'll continue this conversation. We're on the Lord's team, the winning side. So raise your glass.
Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. Did I just steal your intro? Yeah. Well, you weren't going to do it, so I jumped in. Talking about the rule of St. Benedict. Uh, one of the, the flip side of, of what you were talking about, Dave, on uh, picking an abbot, is the, the flip side of that is the obedience of the other person. Yeah. Um, in Psalm 17, it says, No sooner did he hear than he obeyed me. And so... There's this resemblance of you know what the abbot says is almost like coming from Christ himself, similar to how we have the idea right. of what 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 the Pope says ex cathedra is like you know he, he's the head of the church. Um, so similar to uh, to that aspect, um, the uh, they they have to completely obey him. No, I know, and that's true. And I think obedience is like. Uh, it's like steroids for your what? your life of virtue. I mean, if we can be obedient, if you can practice obedience... You, you grow in humility, which you know all about. Right. Um, in fact, on uh, chapter 5 uh, here of the, of the Rule of St. Benedict, it says, The first step of humility is unhesitating obedience, which comes naturally to those who cherish, who cherish Christ above all. Um, but obedience has a way, especially in moments when you know your superior is wrong. Like, that that happens, where s- your boss or whoever, someone in authority over you tells you to ob- to do something, and you know that that's they're wrong. Sin. That's not a sin. I mean, if, if they tell you to do something that's sinful, obviously you shouldn't obey. You mm-hmm. cannot, you, you're compelled not to obey. But mm-hmm. um, most of the time, that's not what's happening. But... Uh, Obedience in those moments is very difficult, and it's especially difficult to do it um, silently and and swiftly. But if you can learn to do that, mm-hmm. there is so much grace. Yeah, because it has from, to with, from like, those from those actions. The, the restraint of speech, you know, yeah. of when to talk and when to don't. And it even says in there, which I thought was crazy, it says there are times when good words are to be left unsaid out of the esteem for silence. Which I thought was really interesting is like even when you were going to say something good, there are times that it should be left unsaid, just for the practice of silence. And if that's the case, how much more are words that are not good shouldn't be said? Yeah. Um, oh yeah, you know, totally. Uh, they talk very strongly against gossip and, and bad you know bad language in the rules of Saint Benedict. But it's just, it was just really interesting to even think they value silence so much that even if you say even if you were wanting to say something good, there are times when that good shouldn't be said. Yeah. So I have been driving the speed limit as a way of uh, practicing the virtue of obedience. I've been flying past you. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, let me tell you, like, I, I hate doing it. It is the worst. I've always been kind of a fast driver, and I like being, I like passing people. That feels good. Mm-hmm. Like, because when you pass somebody, it's like, I'm better than you. No, I'm winning. It's I'm like, winning. I'm winning. But I'm winning because I'm better than you. I mean, even my my my, bo- my son Luke. Anytime somebody passes, like Dad, hurry up, hit the power. So the power the, button. The power button. I told him one time that like I gunned it and I was holding the the knob for the radio, 
And he goes, does that button make the car go faster? And I go, yeah, it's the power button. <laughs> and I, I kind of was just joking around. So now every time uh, somebody passes, it's like, Dad, hit the power button. Lying to your children is so fun. No, no, I don't. No, no, that was no. I meant lying to your children. Oh, yeah. No, don't do that either. (laughs) But anyway, I've learned that um, in this experiment of obedience, Mm -hmm. that humility and obedience are intimately linked together. There have been times where, like, I'm tempted to like, well, okay, you have to drive faster, otherwise you're going to be late, or or it'll be embarrassing for you to show up late to mass, and. You have to say no. I guess I'm just gonna be late. You know, I, I it. It makes you uh, plan better. It it does because the answer is not driving fast. The answer is you should have yeah been more prepared and uh, just learning to offer up that humiliation as well. Or there's been other times where um, we're gonna be late for something and it's my fault. I'm the one who took too long. And I'm driving everybody. So it was like me, my whole family, the in-laws, you know, mm-hmm. and it was, I took, I just took too long getting ready. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm driving and it's a long way to get there. And we're going to be late. And if somebody else would drive and they would just go five over, it'd probably be <laughs> fine. But yeah, I'm the one driving. And so like, there's a humiliation often involved mm-hmm. with obedience. And, and really that's always the case because, um, taking orders from somebody else you have to naturally humble you know make yourself lower in order to follow those anyway that's just i I meant to mention that on the last episode Uh, yeah the last episode i forgot to do it in our last episode okay anyway um so obedience is uh essential Mm -hmm. for all of monastic life Mm mm-hmm um, and it should be for us as well. One of the things that it talks about in there that really grabbed me, especially for the importance of, of having men's groups. You know, we've talked many times before how we meet in the mornings at, uh, at IHOP on Tuesday mornings. And uh, it's, it talks about uh, sleeping in there. It says, on arising for the wor- uh, work of God, we will uh, quietly encourage each other. For the sleepy uh, like to make excuses. And so it's like if, you know, and that's so true. Like if I'm tired in the morning that, and I don't have to get up to go do something, I always make the excuse of like, oh, I need to get more sleep, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to sleep. Yeah. But on Tuesday mornings, I know I cannot do that because I have other guys who are expecting me to be there, and they're going to be doing the same thing, uh, you know, and we're trying to uh, continue to grow in our, in our spiritual lives. And so, you know, I need to be there. For my sake, and, and you need me there for your sake. So it was just really interesting that that aspect of sleeping, uh, especially in the community aspect, how how important that is. Yes, um, which is like we can all learn a lot from making excuses. That's one of the mm-hmm. great things about Exodus ninety. You don't. You Wait. Don't g- do you have to do the the uh, heroic minute with Exodus ninety? No, you no, don't. No, but you have to have a, you have, you have to sleep a certain amount of hours. Oh, yeah, you must sleep, which makes you go to bed on time. Um, Can we so talk about uh, the the drinking? Oh, yeah, please. Uh, there's a rule in there uh, about drinking, which I thought was really funny. He said, They said, we believe half a bottle of wine a day is sufficient for each. And I thought, okay, 
good. And it even talks that, like, they actually say in there that it would be better if we didn't have any, but everybody was expecting to be able to drink. So at least a, a half a bottle should be fine of wine. Yeah, that should be enough. That should be enough. <laughs> yeah, that would be sweet, half a bottle a day. So I wanted, I wanted to read this line. It does talk about how you always drink in moderation in as moderation, well. In moderation, yeah, yeah, of course. Just um, needed to be said. At the like the very beginning, he's uh, Saint Benedict is talking about the different types of monks, and he says there are clearly four types of monks. Um, but then he goes on to say how two of them are like terrible, and uh, one of them is so bad I won't even mention it because like these are the worst. They're like the scum of the m- monastery. But he mentions hermits. He says second there are anchorites or or hermits who have come through the test of living in a monastery for a long time and have passed beyond the first fervor of monastic life. Thanks to the help and guidance of many, they are now trained to fight against the devil. They have built up their strength and go from the battle line in the ranks of their brothers to the single combat of the desert. Self-reliant now, without the support of another, they are ready, with God's help, to grapple single-handedly the vices of the body and the mind. Hmm. It's just like pretty epic the way he writes about it. It's like doing single combat with the devil, but only after being well-trained, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because it gets to the point of like, why are we living this way? You know, why why would anyone want to be a monk? You know, so it's all about self-mastery. Yeah, and it even talks about in there like idleness is the worst uh, worst thing for the soul. As the enemy of the soul. Wow. And if I if I if I go back and look at like when I do examinations of conscience and I look back and say, okay, where did I sin, what, and, and try to take the, the the trail back to the beginning of what made me think of that. A lot of times it's because I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. It's like I'm supposed to be doing X. I'm not doing it. I'm procrastinating. So I have a little bit of extra time and I you know do something else or I entertain other thoughts and and. Uh, leads me down a, a road I shouldn't be going. So it's right. it's it's interesting that even St. Benedict points that out, that uh, uh, idleness is the enemy of the soul, which is why they ha- live such a structured life day in and right. day out. Right, Yeah, and speaking of that structure, one of the things we mentioned was that, um, you know, they do all these prayers all the time. Well, uh, essentially, most of what they're doing is reciting the Psalms. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, when you go up there and you hear them chanting and beautiful beautiful voice in latin and you don't know what they're saying uh, al- almost most well, of the you time basi- you basically i mean speak I, latin. I basically speak so many languages yeah. i mean but uh that's what they're that's what they're chanting are the psalms mm-hmm. um and it's so beautiful if you can get the the translations that they have in the books up there of the psalms um first of all they rhyme which is cool. I always like things better when they rhyme, but they're just uh, incredibly beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it's like I don't know why we're not using these translations all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, of, one of the last thing it talks about that we need to end on it is they say uh, all absent brothers should always be remembered at the closing prayer. And so at the closing of this Catholic Man Show episode, I think it is very important that we remember our good buddy Juan Posada and all the other men who were planning on coming that didn't get a chance to. Man, I uh, thoroughly enjoyed this weekend. I'm so glad everybody came. One of the Lord's team. The winning side. 
All right. It is cold. Yeah.